0: Welcome to the TESFE podcast with me Sarah Simons. In today's episode we'll be looking at a world without Ofsted and it's based on the feature by Julia Belgatai in this week's TES magazine. Joining us to explore this topic is none other than the Emeritus Professor of Education at UCL Institute of Education and as Julia describes him in the piece a constant thorn in the side of the inspectorate, Frank Caulfield. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Pleasure, Sarah. Pleasure.
0: And for anyone, if there is anyone in education who isn't completely aware of your work, could you tell us a bit about what you do?
1: Well, I do less and less, actually, Sarah. I'm retired. I've been retired 11 years, uh, but I'm apparently not able to give it up completely. Um, (laughs) I was a teacher in schools in Scotland. I started in teacher education at Keele University in 1970. I then went to Durham University. I was 16 years there, again in teacher training. Uh, I went to Newcastle University and then ended up in, in the Institute of Education in London. Again, teacher training. But all that time I've been doing research and sp- I've always been interested in the 14 to 19 age group. My first books in Scotland and and then in England have always been about that group and I, particularly the people in that group who find it difficult to get through adolescence and find a secure place in society. If you're looking for a red line, there are plenty of red lines in modern discussion. If you're looking for a red thread that runs through my work, it's that. It's an interest in young people who find it difficult to succeed in society. In the last few years, to bring the story up to date, I began looking at Ofsted. Actually, I've been interested in Ofsted for about the last 20 years. I've written about them over that period. And I become more and more interested in the evidence for and against Ofsted's practices. And I wrote a book, 2017, called "Will the Leopard Change Its Spots?", asking the question: Does Ofsted create more harm than good? And I came to the conclusion after looking at the research that it does create more harm than good.
0: I'm just looking at this piece that you wrote recently for the TES, problems with inspections that Ofsted must fix. If we just whip through some of these. So the first one is that they have to drop the four grades.
1: I've come to the conclusion that the grades are very damaging for for schools. All four of them, whether you get outstanding or, or inadequate, the grades are crude and stigmatizing and just look at it in relation to fe fe colleges are huge complex social institutions to try and stick one adjective over such a large complex institution is absurd it's a statistical absurdity and we should begin saying that publicly loudly right i mean as you know better than i do let's say you've got a big fe college in Nottingham, you'll have about 30 departments, some will be outstanding, some will be good, some require improvement, and some may even be inadequate. But Ofsted arrive and give you one adjective to summarise the lot. Now that is nonsense. But the complexity of FE, the, the variety within even one department, you know, you can have two or three very good biology teachers and one that's not so good, and you can have Different contexts, you know. Nottingham College will be very different say, from colleges in Durham or uh, Newcastle in the northeast. All of that's forgotten when you just get one adjective. We must break away from this damaging system.
0: Do you think, as far as teachers being observed, that that's a huge change of culture? I know when whether it's Ofsted or whether it's internal inspection, and there's no grades that there's still that bit of an idea, yeah, but what number is it? Do you know yes. what I mean? That is, yes. It's a big shift for us as a, as a whole sector to move away from even that.
1: But what is interesting here is Ofsted has moved away from the grading of particular classroom lessons yeah. because of the amount of research evidence. But the evidence against grading whole institutions is much stronger even than that. So if they will give it up grading of individual lessons they should give up the grading of particular institutions
0: right so if move on to the next one specify yes. the evidence for judgments
1: yeah i mean uh, since i've started this two two three years ago i've had a lot of people writing to me from six form colleges fe colleges schools primary schools the whole gamut and what they say is you know Inspectors will come in and they will choose, let's say, a department of English. In, in an FE college, that's huge. If they choose only to look at the those classes where you have got refugees who are learning English from the first time, and you, they may be speaking up to 40, 50 languages in your FE college, and that's, all, that's the only subset of English they're prepared to look at, and they give you an inadequate because that... The standard of your students is not up to the average in the in the area or in the, or in the country. Staff have written to me to say it is nothing point one percent of all the teaching we do in English in the year, and and yet they're judged on that. So my argument is Ofsted must make clear how many lessons did they observe for how long, and what percentage is that of the amount of lessons in English, let's say, in a week or in a month or in the year. So we have a notion of what what is the evidence on which these very important judgments are being made? What's the extent of it?
0: Yeah, that brings on to the next one, the definition of learning.
1: Yeah, well, they've produced a definition, you know, they've got a new framework for inspection out just now for consultation. They've produced a definition of learning which is straight from psychological research projects. It doesn't fit education. Just to say that the only learning that we're going to look at is if people can remember things uh, over time. And factual information, that's to say only cognitive learning is going to be looked at. There's all sorts of emotional learning, learning about climate change, whatever, um, learning how to behave in a political system. All, all of that is, is going to be ignored and they're going to concentrate on have students remembered things they've learned three months or a, mon- a month ago. Now, um, there's all sorts of different kinds of learning that that will exclude. For example, a lot of your students will, will learn things up for an examination. We call it strategic learning they will be able to regurgitate it in an exam and they forget about it afterwards. What's wrong with that? Isn't that what inspectors will do when they turn out to a college? They will look at all the data, they will hold it in their brains for as long as the inspection lasts, two days now we're being told, and then they'll forget about it because you can't keep everything in your head at the same time. So there is strategic learning that says every bit is important to survive in life for inspectors as it is for students. Why concentrate only one area? So I'm hoping, as a result of the consultation, they'll change that definition.
0: What should the definition be?
1: I've suggested a definition in the things I've been writing in the last 10, 15 years. I've just gone back over it and say, you know, why don't we call learning a major change in knowledge, attitudes, convictions and information as well? make it a much broader definition than, than the, the one they suggested. Learning is such a big, difficult issue. You've got to be careful that, you know, there is immoral learning that goes on, say, in prisons, where young people go in, say, for minor offences and come out having learned a whole lot of other kind of yeah. crimes they commit. That That's learning, but it's immoral learning. So you've got to exclude that. But all other types of learning should be included. And that would be a much broader definition and the one that Ofsted is proposing
0: does that bring about a problem of evidence how do we evidence those broader types of learning you know and that's not to undermine the value of them whatsoever yep. I'm just thinking yep. of it in terms of how would you show that that's happened
1: well I mean you can you can show it in all sorts of different ways. I mean, you have data, of course, as well. You, people write essays, so there's all sorts of evidence. There's soft evidence and there's hard evidence. Um, but we must get away from this idea. Remember, even just a few years ago, Ofsted inspectors arriving and saying they had to see learning taking place in a classroom. Now, learning takes place at all all different times of the day. I mean, some of the best learning I do is when I'm shaving in the morning, looking at the mirror and thinking of something else and something occurs to me. You know, maybe I've read the day before. I make connections and so on. That's when the learning takes place. Yeah. How, How are you possibly going to try and tie that down? That's why, I mean, even Ofsted itself in the new framework is moving away from just data because they realise that is a very limited take on what people are learning in schools and colleges.
0: Let's move on to the next one, a fair complaints procedure.
1: At present, it's not fair. As many schools and colleges have found out, if you think the offset inspection has not been fair and you can't resolve that with the inspector, the lead inspector immediately, you're entitled to complain. But the adjudicator who will deal with the case is not able to contradict or change any of Ofsted's judgments. Even if it finds that Ofsted has behaved badly, it cannot make any adjudication against Ofsted or any financial settlement. The whole system is weighted in favour of Ofsted. So Ofsted turns around to me when I meet senior officers and they say, oh, we get very few complaints. Is it any wonder when the system is so biased in their favour? Ofsted, I think, is trying to change. They have had a new chief inspector, as you know, for the last two years. I think she is genuinely trying to reform it. Why doesn't Ofsted offer the teaching profession? Why doesn't it come out and say, we would prefer it to be more even-handed? Let's say, for example, that if there was a dispute between a college and a group of inspectors, that an independent group of people, including, say, principals from colleges in another part of the country, plus other inspectors who have not been involved, would meet and look at the evidence and come to a judgment. Wouldn't that be more equitable? Why doesn't Ofsted offer that as part of the new framework?
0: Is there an argument that Ofsted isn't for schools, it's not for Colleges, it's advocating for students, it's advocating for parents who, who are making decisions on on where their children should go.
1: The Act says that Ofsted is there to improve the performance of the educational system. Yes. It's as broad as that. Now, I take a view that you can't separate learning from teaching. The two things are intertwined like two sides of a coin. If you want to improve the quality of students' learning, the research for over 20, 30 years has said, invest in your teachers. Yeah. If you want better learning, invest in better teachers. That's quite clear. So the two things are inter- interactive. And, and so Ofsted has got to look at the quality of teaching as well as the quality of learning. But, and, and to be fair to Amanda Spielman, the new chief HMI, she wants Ofsted to be a force for improvement. That's the number one sentence she keeps coming up with in every speech she makes. If she wants to be a force for improvement, she has to look at teaching, right? The quality of teaching and not just about learning. So it can't just be about producing information for parents.
0: Yeah. Next one, inspect areas, not individual institutions.
1: Yeah. Well, you've seen the scandal has been in the papers up and down the country, including very much so in the northeast here, in one area, say, you've got one school that's off-rolling pupils f- for all sorts of reasons, but it begins to look like if they're off-rolling students in large numbers just before an inspection, it looks as if they're doing it to improve the results of the school at the cost and against the interests of those students. But it's not just those students that suffer. If they permanently exclude large numbers of students, other schools in the area have got to pick them up. So it can't be an individual business, This just looking at a school on its own. Decisions a school or a college makes about who will admit and who will exclude have serious consequences for the people and the colleges and institutions round about them. So the answer to that quite clearly, and people like me have been saying this for many years, why don't you look at a whole area? Let's look at the opportunities for all the students in that area and see if they're getting a fair deal. Are there certain students, say, with special educational needs or who don't speak English very well because they're, they're refugees or what, for whatever reason, are other certain sections of the community getting a raw deal and that certain institutions are not helping with this and others are doing more than their fair share? So that's the reason for moving to a regional
0: The next one, provide evidence of system failure.
1: Ofsted have a, a duty in the Act to report to the Secretary of State for Education on the quality of education in England. Now, here's something that we all know about. The statistics are absolutely clear. In certain parts of the country, you've still got secondary modern schools and grammar schools. The grammar schools tend to do very well, but they're highly selective. And the secondary schools in the area, although they do an excellent job, many of them, are having to deal with all the students that the grammar schools don't want. Now, we know that people in the secondary moderns don't do as well as those in the grammars. They certainly don't do as well as people in in a comprehensive system. Why doesn't Ofsted report on issues like that? The reason is pretty obvious. It's a political hot potato. But Ofsted's constantly claiming to be independent. Now, I don't think it is independent of ministers. I think they run scared of saying anything too political in case they're closed down. Do you
0: think they could be? Do you think that would be a consequence, that they could get closed down?
1: The original HMI before Ofsted were brought in in 1992 were much more independent than Ofsted became Ofsted has become a norm of government. HMI were quite independent and were able to write reports to government ministers, were quite critical of some of government policies. That no longer happens. You don't get criticism of government policies from Ofsted. Mm. That's what I'm asking for.
0: And finally, inspecting the curriculum.
1: Now, I think this is a good move, and I commend Amanda Spielman. It's the number one change that she's brought in since coming in as chief inspector i'm all in favor of this but my worry is the reports they've issued on the curriculum suggest it's going to be another huge burden for schools having to respond to their questions in this they produced a document just before christmas that had 25 different questions to ask about the curriculum 25 questions, but some of them were multiple questions. There were 45 different issues within that one page. Are they suggesting that all schools will have to be able to answer those 45 new questions, 45 new areas on their curriculum? What Ofsted, I think, need to do before they introduce this new framework is tell us what do they mean by a broad and balanced curriculum. Broad, I think most people will understand what's meant by that. What is balanced? What makes a curriculum balanced? It's easy for Ofsted to use these phrases. What's a coherent curriculum is another phrase they use. What makes it coherent? Unless teachers and FE staff throughout the country have answers to those questions, they're really working in the dark.
0: Yeah. And you you think unless there's more definition of what they're actually on about, this could create ultimately more work for teachers as it's passed down through the hierarchies of Staff. Let
1: me guess what's been going on in FE colleges and, and, and schools since this move to the curriculum. Instead of student-centred learning, it's Ofsted curriculum-centred learning. Staff are, are going to conferences all up and down the country. What do we know about curriculum? What curriculum studies are there? I get people writing to me to say, what in the curriculum should we be reading to prepare ourselves for the Ofsted visit we're going to discuss up? Our curriculum with us. Yet again, Ofsted changes what the substance of inspection is going to be, and they've changed it regularly over the last 25 years. Now the emphasis is on the curriculum, and it's going to cause, I think, a lot of extra work for teachers.
0: Let's have a look at what's happening in Scotland. Routine four-yearly inspections of Scottish colleges were scrapped in 2018 and replaced by evaluative report and enhancement plans. These set out areas in which colleges believe themselves to be working well and those aspects in need of improvement. They give them one of six grades in three overarching areas, which are outcomes and impact, leadership and quality culture, and the delivery of learning and services to support learning. What do you think about this Scottish system? Is this something that we should maybe be looking at in England?
1: Well, it was it was interesting. I've worked in England for a number of years now that when my colleagues in education departments and universities have been interested in comparative education, they've always been interested in going to Germany or Italy and never, you know, 50 miles up the road from Newcastle to look at the Scottish system. Huh. I've, I've always found that interesting. Or even the Welsh system. Yeah, Northern Ireland I mean they're home internationals we should have been looking at if I can use that phrase in terms of picking up ideas from each other we the English system always looks to France or to Italy and usually to very lovely places within those countries those are the places that are examined rather than Scotland now the Scottish system is not ideal I know it well but not I haven't worked there for a good number of years now. I think it's better than the Scottish system, but it's still not ideal. I mean, they still have six grades. That's better than four, but I would get rid of the grades altogether. What is good, though, is that they've moved to a large extent to insisting on self-evaluation. The colleges are asked to say, what are the strengths that you've got in this place? And we'll come and see if we agree with you. Do you have any weaknesses? Let's see how we can support and help you. Now, that strikes me as a much better approach when inspectors arrive at colleges and say, and I have former colleagues who remain friends, who have been inspectors in Scotland, and they say their job is to turn up at a college and say, we are your professional colleagues. We are genuinely here to help you to improve the quality of learning that's going on in this place. Let's have a professional dialogue that moves us all forward. Let us learn from you and you learn from us. It's the atmosphere within which inspections is conducted that is really important and by the way let's go right back sir to the first thing you said a world without Ofsted I can quite clearly easily imagine a world without Ofsted I cannot imagine a good educational world without inspection we'll always need accountability we all need to be accountable in the modern world for two major reasons education is far too important to be Allowed to look after itself and say, oh, we'll mark our own homework. No one is allowed to do that in the modern world. And the second reason is education is far too expensive. In England alone, it's over 30 billion now a year of taxpayers' money. You cannot spend that amount of money and not be inspected. What we really should be arguing about here is what form of inspection do we want, not whether it should be Ofsted or not.
0: And in Scotland, it isn't just a case of colleges praising themselves. The findings are then assessed by HMI inspectors from Education Scotland.
1: So it's more
0: rigorous than just self-assessment, however accurate that self-assessment is.
1: There's also an element of peer review in Scotland, which is good too, that you get staff from other colleges who are likely to know much more about the difficulties of teaching say 16 to 19 year olds English when they've failed it two or three times before they also involve other principals in the inspection of colleges in Scotland now it's that combination of self-assessment and a rigorous peer assessment which is the kind of intelligent accountability that I'd like to see us introducing in in England.
0: Why do you think we haven't moved to that in England instead of it just happening in Scotland from 2018?
1: I think because the ministers, politicians in England have refused to accept this. There's a very good movement in England. Not everything in England is bad or needs improvement. Here's a model that we could be looking at that we could move into the FE colleges. Have you heard of Challenge Partners? They're a group of schools and there's a good number of them now in different parts of the country and they get together and they decide that's in an area oh I, I look at look at you and I see oh you're getting first class marks in mathematics you're doing very well in mathematics we're doing better say in English why don't we get our mathematics teachers together our English teachers together and we'll improve each other
0: these are the networks of excellence
1: exactly and When it comes to evaluation, the college or school evaluates itself. It then is faced with a panel of peers who some are from the immediate local area who will know the difficulties, say in let's say in Nottingham, what are the problems of unemployment, how easy difficult it is for young people to get jobs, but they also bring in people from similar areas but from another part of the country who are completely independent and whose job is to make sure that the standards throughout the country are roughly the same that's happening already for hundreds of schools in england i think it's a model we could follow for the whole of the educational system
0: it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you thanks so much for joining us a pleasure sir This has been the TESFE podcast with Frank Coffield and me, Sarah Simons. Join us again soon for all the FE news and views. Thanks for listening.